Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. We're giving away the secrets to our method of digitally and physically finding big bucks on public ground. This mini-series is powered by Onyx, and we deep dive into what we look for on a map, how we scout it in person, and what pins we use to help us effectively hunt deer. This is Public Pins. Alright guys, today we're going to talk about... Literally, what is probably our biggest tip for map scouting and finding a legit place to kill a deer on public <laughs> land, okay? Like, it is literally the best thing that we found, we have found. There's a deer right there in the ditch. That's not what we're going to hunt, though. Um, this is called a secondary creek crossing. It literally is a way to put deer in front of you, and that's what we're all trying to do. But, yeah. Tyler... What is a secondary creek crossing? So I have in the past called them feeder creek crossings. Um, so the way I look at it is you have a, a big creek system. A lot of these public lands are um, put in place around creek systems or lowland areas because that land is not necessarily worth a whole lot. Uh, it's floodplain. It doesn't grow grass for cattle. It doesn't grow crops very well because it gets flooded. It's real hard to tell what's going to happen uh, in the spring, usually around these places. So, But what it is is you usually have some kind of a creek or river system. And for, for us and for the sake of what we're doing today, we'll talk about these kind of creek systems that are named creeks a lot of times. And then feeding in to these creeks are other smaller creeks that usually say you've got a creek running east and west your feeder creeks will be going north and south and they'll be feeding water in um, as a drainage into these creek systems so that's kind of what they are really makes them a great place to hunt because what do deer do they hang out around creeks and they travel up and down them a lot that's right and they don't 
cut across, they don't cross the big creeks that often. Right. But they do from time to time. But what they do almost on a daily basis is cross secondary creeks. Yep. Uh, because they want to go to point A to point B, whether it's bed to feed or if it's bucks cruising for does or whatever. We found that it's a really fairly easy thing to identify both on the map and on foot you really just have to follow deer trails to places that you see mm-hmm. the secondary creek on the map you know you can either have like your onyx map you can have it on topographical mode or on hybrid mode and see the little <clears throat> usually they're broken blue dots that show or broken blue lines that show secondary creeks and it's a great place to hunt it's a great place to hang mm-hmm. a trail camera to get you know area data about what deer are in there and even you know we've gotten people on those cameras too and it's shown you know what kind of pressure has been around um we've both set up on different places where we have been real close to killing deer and ended up you know having something else mess us up or whatever but the first place that we found that was this way was a place that you have a lot of history with yeah yeah tr is what we call it uh if you listen to the main show um and you know the the another good way or another tip to find these 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 particular places, um, you know, is obviously to use your hybrid mode on your Onyx where you have uh, topo lines and you can see, um, you can see once you learn to recognize, you can see these little feeders coming in because a lot of times you can't see them on the aerial because of the tree um, foliage and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've got that kind of blocking. And even on the, the main stem creek, sometimes you, you may struggle, but you can also turn that on X onto the, um, t- uh, it's just topo mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no like aerial footage or whatever, and it shows blue lines for creeks. So that's another good tip to help you find out where the main stem of a creek and is. Even so if there's you, not a blue line there, um, the uh, topo line is going to make a little V and the V points upstream yep. in that in that situation. So you might just even see it's just like a little draw almost, but the deer is still going to find a place to cross that. Yeah. And so when you have a, a pretty major creek that carries water most of the year, um, maybe, you know, three, four, five, six feet deep, something like that, um, a lot of times, like Casey was saying, the deer are not going to move across that creek all that often. They will. They're, they will swim. They'll, they'll get pretty wet even during the cold months a lot of times, at least in Texas for sure. Uh, but they, they will travel up and down this creek system. So it, it really helps you out when you, go to, when you go to locate and then hunt one of these places, these feeder creek crossings, these secondary creek crossings, because you have a pretty good idea of what direction these deer are going to be traveling, right? And so like I said earlier, if it's an east and west creek, these deer are going to be traveling east and west for the most part. And so they're going to be crossing these feeder creeks. And a feeder creek could be very small, Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and we're going to give some anecdotal evidence here, um, and I'm going to talk about TR a little bit because you prompted me into that, but you uh, are going to also talk about a feeder creek that's really pretty small, you yeah. know what I mean, that you've hunted a lot um, and that we, we both have hunted a lot, uh, but you've had some pretty good success there seeing deer and stuff. But um, anyway, this place we call TR, is it sets up, it's got a big creek system, uh, pretty steep walls, um, and, you know, just... It's it carries a lot of water for most of the year, even during the dry months. You'll it hardly dries up. I don't know if I've ever seen it completely dry. And so, this is a this uh, creek that comes in. You actually found this this creek crossing uh, in their scouting one day. We've done a lot of hanging around this place. We've shed hunting through there. We're trying to find a buck that we called teenager, um, and we <clears throat> I don't think we saw him last year. It was the first year. 
Uh, we've been following him since he's about three, and I think he would have been seven last year. We didn't didn't get a chance to get him yeah, on camera or he's anything. He's no longer a teen. He is geriatric for I sure. I think he is maybe dead. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we were, we've were we spent a lot of time in there, and we found this uh, Feeder Creek Crossing. And essentially what we've got is like um, there's not just a ton of woods between uh, essentially the pasture where that creek tops out and the creek system. And so you've already got like a smaller section there that's going to ne- neck them down some, right? And then this feeder creek has a bunch of junk in it, like somebody piled a bunch of junk in there at one point, and then also like some bodark trees and stuff like that in the creek that create a huge like just barrier essentially and push deer really close to the creek there. And so um, there's a, there's a, maybe two or three places that we've seen deer cross right in this small section, but one of them is the spot. I mean, like you're going to see 90% of the deer come through that spot. And so we've got, I mean, we had good deer on camera there last year. Like you said, we had people on it. Yeah. Um, I hunted it last year and saw a pieball deer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we got a video of it and everything. It's on the YouTube channel if you want to go check it out. Um, but anyway, you you know, that's a place that I've hunted a lot. I've, uh, I came real close to killing there uh, one morning. I actually, you know, usually you think a squirrel is a deer, and then you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, dadgum squirrel, you know. I thought a deer was a squirrel in this case and didn't get my stuff ready in time for them to run past me with a little buck chasing them. And uh, anyway, but you have had some uh, good hunts man. over at a place we call Babylon. Oh, yeah, man. I've had some real good hunts at Babylon, and it's a place where you have a feeder creek that actually kind of runs into a bigger body of water. It's um, a small creek, you know? Yeah, it's it's tiny uh, until it's not when you step in it and your boot, boot goes up past your knee. But <laughs> uh, for the most part, uh, we kind of hung the stand um, in that there's one really great tree to hunt out of there. And uh, the deer just kind of have to make it around the bend. Like, they, they're just going to cross, like, either 40 yards away or a lot of times, like, 8 or 10 yards away. Mm-hmm. And they just end up right there. And that's kinda, it's almost uh, bordering something called a DMA, which we'll uh, probably also talk about on one of these shows one of these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really, in that specific spot, is a secondary creek crossing. And another one that I found this year that I really, really liked... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one, and let's you know be straight about this. The one of the issues you're going to run into with this idea of a feeder creek crossing is still that age-old idea of which trail is the right trail. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you still have the problem of um, you know they're going to cross up there, they're going to cross back here, and I ran into that a lot this year. I would set up in this one spot, and then they would cross down there, and vice versa. And you have to really kind of play that game of chess and figure that stuff out. But still, I found this place because we were seeing really good rut action, uh, kind of more out on the flat, uh, not so much kind of in the creaky stuff. And then that action sort of dried up, so I decided to push on in and try to find some better places. And sure enough, there's a really good secondary creek that had about three different crossings and uh man i was so close i had a shooter buck come in after shooting light on me in there and grunt right at the base of my tree and just chase does around it was crazy and uh just happened to be just a little bit too late but i almost shot two other bucks in there late season as well because they were pretty much moving bed to feed in there and it was a really really great hunting place Mm -hmm. that uh um more or less ran out of time on season ended on me before i could make it happen but i was just real real close and Man. I feel like, and may, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that that particular location 
it's a super big flat. The mm. whole area is very flat. And I feel like that it causes that secondary creek or some of that secondary creek area in there to wind a lot. And uh, But, like, in most places, what you'd want to do is be pretty close to the main stem of the creek. Yeah. You know? Well, right there, you're also dealing with some creek horns, which we'll discuss in another episode as well, that kind of coincide with that secondary creek. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with some irregular deer movement because uh, right there, they're actually transitioning from following the main creek to... Uh, kind of heading out to pasture to feed. Yeah, working so, through just vast flats of cedar yes, elm and exactly. stuff like that. But which, there's still like three really main crossings on that creek that spans 250 yards or less. Yeah. You know, so it's and to be quite frank, I found that thing probably around December 18th. So mm-hmm. imagine if we had that knowledge for all season. I'm sure next year we will. And yeah. I know exactly where to go back. And we could hunt three guys in there. <laughs> for real, with the right wind, you could. And I think that's a big thing to think about with these type of accesses. You're going to really be hunting a lot of bed to feed when you're hunting these feeder creek crossings, I think. you know, Or at least um, deer moving from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to think about where point a is and where point b is in relation to that the wind direction is and you don't need to approach and walk past or through your deer to get to your feeder creek you need to be coming from the downwind direction the whole time to get there now there is like an aspect of water access that we didn't really discuss on this and i think that we found a new place this spring that we might use water access to hunt a very similar spot Mm -hmm. um but uh, for the most part, you know, most people are going to be using, you know, foot access to get to places. So that's something you really need to consider when you're talking about hunting a feeder or creek crossing or a secondary it, creek crossing. It's interesting that you think of it, because I think of it a little different. Uh, you think of it, there's some turkeys right there. Finally. You uh, think of it as, oh, those might be geese. Um, you think of it as bed to feed. I think of it more as rut. Yeah. I would hunt, I would, I would feel more confident hunting it during the rut which you know tr uh we kind of do know that there's a bed to feed pattern there you know what i mean so like uh-huh. over there i am essentially accessing that spot based off of the fact that i i'm pretty sure i know where they're they're bedding or where they're um at least feeding at night mm-hmm. not necessarily where they're bedding um but i i would feel very much like i rely a lot on rutting movement to actually for sure pull deer all the way back past me from that feeding you know what i mean yeah because sometimes i feel like they might bed on the other side of you know on the feeding side of you there Mm -hmm. but like i think that you know either way i think that you could stand a really good chance you know if deer if bucks are running up and down a creek during the rut checking for does it's a pretty good spot to be too probably yeah man for sure now let's talk a little bit about how you'd kind of denote this on a map i think whenever you're doing your map scouting at the house and, uh, you know, you're looking around for this stuff. We talked about the little Vs, the little blue dashes that show the secondary creeks along the main creek, right? And whenever you see that kind of stuff, it's going to be real hard to, unless there's just, you know, maybe it's through open country, but it's going to be hard to identify where the deer trails are. But you can always probably identify a secondary creek that you can walk and find the trails, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're probably going to want to do is just do that whole white hot thing that we talk about where you, uh, you know, hold your thumb down on the map 
and it brings up an icon, turn it white, and then you know that that's a place you really want to make it back to. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in there boot scouting, you can probably change that and add that to where you really zone in on, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's that's a good idea, man. And uh, really, you know, zoom in and make sure you know exactly where that trail is that crosses, you know, and, mm-hmm. and put it on the trail. Maybe probably even mark your tree. And so with that, let's talk a little bit about how you hunt it you know how do you actually set up on a creek crossing and i think one thing that you've got to think about here is that on a secondary creek crossing you um say like still same example you've got the main stem going east and west say and you've got your feeder creek that that secondary creek that you're hunting is coming uh it's coming south off of the east and west drainage so it's technically feeding north but coming south right Mm -hmm. off of that so deer are going to be going east and west there. Um, I think you would like to hunt a tree that is that your wind is not blowing across that trail that goes east and west there that mm-hmm. crosses the creek. But I think you can get away with hunting a tree that you still like. If you if the only tree or your best option for a tree causes you to blow at the crossing, then what you've got to do is you you've just got to shoot what's going to happen is the deer is going to come up to the crossing and it's going to pause before it goes into the creek more than likely before it goes into the secondary creek to cross he's probably going to pause so you want to make sure that you can shoot that deer before it crosses the creek essentially and mm-hmm. get your wind so that's like you know obviously the ideal situation is to not have your wind blowing at it but sometimes it just doesn't work at a creek crossing because trees are funky another thing you need to keep in mind when you're talking about wind on these type of creek crossings is that uh on still slack evenings or mornings your wind is going to suck down so mm-hmm. um if it's completely dead still you don't want to set up with that um you kind of being upstream of that creek crossing because your wind's gonna your i mean your scent is going to drift down into that hole same thing as if you're hunting close to the main creek and that water is down there and it's very cold it's also going to draw air and draw yep. draw breeze so your your scent's always going to go downhill towards the mainstream and towards much. the mainstream yeah yep. so you need to keep that into consideration as well i mean i think on that east and west um creek with the feeder creek north and south that's your example right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would say that if you looked at that creek crossing in the creek like a compass rose and you have a feeder creek that heads north off of the main creek right somewhere south of the trail is going to be where you want to set up on a still day because that wind's going to suck down to the south and it's going to keep you from winding any of those deer that come up to the creek. Now, Tyler, tell me about this. There's a certain consideration that you have to have when you're setting up your tree stand because a lot of times when you're a normal hunter, hunting normal deer, you're setting up and you're just assuming that the deer don't see you because they're looking straight ahead and you're up in a tree. Mm -hmm. But when a deer goes down and up, a creek bank sometimes they look up a lot higher than normal right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they they're natural as they come up a creek the natural uh kind of orientation of their body sends their gaze upwards maybe a little bit Mm -hmm. um not to mention they can't really see horizon level as they're coming up until they get above the creek bank so the only thing they can see is halfway up the trees you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> so that's where like, you sitting <laughs> that's where that's where you're sitting so it's uh it's it's not great um 
one there's there are some considerations for sure i think um trying to get on the back side of the tree putting the tree between you and the creek or the, the the secondary creek crossing is a really good idea if you can um i think also that for those guys who like this thing that would probably not be anybody in this truck um <laughs> Getting on the ground could be a good thing uh, because once that deer comes up out, it's probably going to pause again and look around, and you could shoot it right there once it comes out of the, the creek. Um, I think there's also some consideration to be had if you can find a big tree where you can really keep from getting silhouetted in that skyline as that deer looks up whether you're in front or behind or whatever, at least you don't look like you know. In, in the case of TR, uh, dude, I'm just in a tree that's six inches around you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like this if a big buck comes through there and he's not following a doe and really chasing her pretty good i'm probably gonna struggle to get that deer killed yeah that's the other thing with this type of scenario too is that you uh pretty much are always going to put yourself in a precarious position as far as getting seen by deer you like to so, call those pps yeah those are pps <laughs> um uh uh, so PP, you get peeped in the PP. Uh, so one of the things that you really have to think about is how are you going to like be super still and make sure that the first, if the first deer you see isn't the one you want to kill, how are you going to let that deer get past you without just blowing you mm-hmm. up, right? And that's something I think that um, not setting up on the trail, which is probably a good idea, no matter if you're hunting a creek crossing or not, you know, setting up off the trail a little bit mm-hmm. lets you have better shots and shot angles too, yeah. because you don't want to end up, you know, shooting straight, straight down, down and only hitting one lung on something. Yeah. And, uh, really having a, you know, a, putting yourself in a tough spot. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you're back off 15, 18 yards, you still have a really very doable shot, but also just a much better trajectory for that arrow. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, you know, like you said, I think, when you talk about a bed to feed pattern, um, if you can find that situation, that is a good situation because what we're running into here with what we're talking about is if you're hunting the rut and you're gonna you're sitting in a great spot, right? But uh, if you do have to blow your wind at the trail, the the crossing there, there's a very strong likelihood that it you know a, a doe could be the first deer to come through, mm-hmm. right? And and you got a buck right behind her. Um, she's going to be having to be pushed pretty hard to just run through your wind without giving too much regard to it. So um, something else to be thought about. Like if it's uh, if it's heavy, heavy rut, I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, like, you just got to go hunting sometimes. And you got to <laughs> think, I'm going to put myself in the best position. And if God wants me to kill a deer tonight, then that's what it's going to be, you know. <laughs> sometimes you just got to hunt the best position you can the best spot the uh, best way you know how to and if uh if it's your turn to kill a big buck he might come in just cruising you know what i mean yeah so i think uh the last thing i do is like what kind of icon do you normally mark this with um so we talked about this earlier there's a couple because i i used to mark them with trail markers but actually there is a crossing icon that's uh real cool and shows uh, I think a gate or something like that, but it's all it, it says crossing on it. I like to take a picture too. That way uh, I can see if it changed or something like that. But I usually uh, will mark this uh, and turn it blue because it's something to do with water and then put a crossing icon on there. And then I will take a picture and save that as well. 
and uh, put that and then save it as that. And then I'm ready to rock and roll and can know, you know, where that exactly is when I go in there in the dark to hunt that, you know, feed or bed to f- or feed to bed pattern yeah. in the morning because I actually like to hunt these a lot in the morning. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing I think that uh, would be handy is to uh, mark the tree that you're going to be sitting in and take a picture of it as well um, to help you out because um, trees can be confusing, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like you can... The thing is, they're they're constantly changing, except for for a couple of months in the summer and a couple of months in the dead winter. You know, like mm-hmm. they're pretty much in a constant state of change. So, a good thing to have is like you know, a a uh, picture that shows essentially at least like the bark and maybe a big big part of the tree or whatever, so that you can kind of recognize that tree when you get in there. But that's the same same way. Use the roost for that one, right? That's right. That's the a roost standard. tree. That's where I'm gonna be sitting, maybe just like a big old tom. <laughs> If you're into this kind of stuff and feel like you need more, you can check out our Map Scout Challenge series on YouTube. These are the most comprehensive scouting videos on the internet. Make sure and subscribe while you're there, and also remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.